Hi, everybody. And welcome to That's Life, the show where, despite our dieting, we could really use a large vanilla shake. Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 2 p.m. as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. Coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side. At least it's beautiful right now. It was raining this morning. It's probably going to rain later. Okay, it's uh, a moody Lower East Side. I'm joined by my handy-dandy partner of Rummy, who's actually getting our first guest on the air. So I will not bother him now, but don't worry. I will bother him later. If you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. And if you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what listener Moshe does. Friend me on Facebook or send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, miriam at nachumsegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. I am not being rude. I'm just being honest, but I will make sure to get back to you afterwards. Also, please follow us on Twitter, nachumsegelnet. All one word. And thank you to Moshe, listener Moshe, as I referred to him about a minute ago, for his email. Bless you, for his email a number of weeks ago. It did mean a lot to me, Moshe. I really appreciate your feedback. I take it very seriously, so much so that I am responding on the air. I hope you will appreciate the two guests I have on today. They are both very different, um, with a lot of information to share, and um, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Much thanks to Adina Abramov and everyone else at Breweria yesterday for being wonderful wonderful hosts and partners in what was a fantastic broadcast of JM and the AM in honor of their 50th anniversary. What a show. What a show. If you'd like to see the video of yesterday's program, please go to our homepage, NachumSiegel.com. Do not leave my show to go watch the video unless you can open... Well, you're shaking your head around me. That's what I'm saying. Unless you can open up a second window at the same time without disconnecting. If I see a huge drop in numbers now, I'll realize you didn't figure it out. So you can always... Wait till tonight when all of our unbelievable programming, Thursday programming is over. Go to the video tonight or just, you know, go on your uh, second window and check out the video. It's really quite amazing. Thank you to Duke for all your hard work on that. My thanks to Fran Hermes and everyone at Amuna. I joined them at their luncheon yesterday at the Westin Grand, Ch- Grand Central, not to be confused with the Pennsylvania Hotel at uh, Penn Station. That's where I went first. Because I thought it was there. Yes, originally the luncheon was there, and then it was moved to the West End at the Grand Central, but I did not know that. Yes, yes. So um, that was stressful. That's all right. But it was actually a really, really beautiful luncheon. Maltesel to the honorees. And I look forward to having Fran, who's the president of Amuna, uh, join me at the Celebrate Israel Parade as we broadcast live from there, as we have for the last number of years. Let's go. Let's do some homework. Let's take care of some stuff. Where are my notes from Yael about today's... Dude, where did that go? All right, you know what we're going to do? Since all of a sudden I cannot find my notes from intern Yael about today's... um, Yeah, where did that just go? That's bizarre. All right, oh, it's right here. Here we go. Thank you, Yael Yael Lassen. She's amazing. Today is Declaration of the Babdab Baha'i Holiday which I don't know what that is, and I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it. National Taffy Day. Avram, now you're on the air. What's up, buddy? I like taffy. You do? Yes. There's this kind of taffy that's called totally taffy, and it's just in these pack- the colored packages, but the they're not very, like, oh, flashy or whatever. They sell them in different kosher places. It's the best taffy that I've ever had. It's very flavorful. It's very good. flavorful. So you're not a Laffy Taffy guy. 
Is that um, real taffy? No, I like. I'm not. I'm okay with Laffy Taffy too. But also, like sometimes I don't want like such a big serving. And Laffy Taffy tends to be a little bit like you know. I don't know. It just it just yeah, totally taffy. <laughs> That's the one. I have to tell you, anything that tries to pull out my teeth or my fillings is not my idea of a good time. I don't like anything sticky like that. So you're gonna have to observe this holiday on your own. It's also World Crohn's and Colitis Day. Um, thank God I'm not celebrating that day either. But my best to those who are. And it's Lucky Penny Day. Which I would like to celebrate, and I think I'm going to buy a lottery ticket afterwards, which um, costs a little bit more than a penny, to uh, to celebrate that. Do you have a lucky penny? And you penny? scratch it off with a penny? Yeah, I'm going to pick a penny. Oh, look, there's some pennies over here. I'm going to take one of these pennies that I do stare at every week, wondering why we keep them on the keyboard, but figuring there's some Today kind Today is of- the day. <laughs> <laughs> I always considered that there's some kind of like juju or something as to why we keep it there, so I haven't messed with it. I've messed with everything else in the studio, which is why it is what it is. By the way... This is this is a unique fortune cookie segment. Do you know why? Tell everybody why. Because we have twins. We have twins. Now, I actually do have twins, but quality control at fortunecookies.com or wherever this was bought um, allowed for two cookies in one package, which I have never seen before. I should take a picture. I should have taken a picture of this before doing this on the air, but in the interest of time, I'm not going to stop to take a picture. But do you think there's one fortune or two? Are you saying that twins is an issue of uh, quality control? Uh, <laughs> somebody wasn't paying attention. Um, I'm saying that in this case, it's an issue of quality control. By the way, look at the packaging. I mean, the packaging still fits perfectly, which makes me want. Oh, because you know, this doesn't make any sense. Somebody, I don't know. Somebody, we need a physicist, quickly. <laughs> I was about to say, is there a mathematician around? Okay, so do you think, before I open it, because they're both whole, by the way, those of you who know the rule know that if the cookie is broken on the inside of the package, it is null and void. Both of these cookies are intact. That means that they are in play. This is the question. Are there two fortunes or one? Before I open it. I think there's at least one, because I can at see one. At least one. Shkayach. <laughs> That's the official Shkayach here at the Nachum Siegel Network. I see one of them. <laughs> yeah, great. Congratulations. You haven't been concealing it, man. No, I have not. But by the way, oh, there are two! And Does I was one negate give you the one. other? I was going to give you one, but you know what? Now I don't want to. Now I will That's also fine. I will also tell you, by the way, that this batch of fortune cookies brought to you by the Wallach's dinner last night from Chosen Island. I had a an unbelievable fortune last night in which I opened my cookie and the cookie and the fortune read sometimes money costs too much which I thought was great musser as a as as a you know just what a about the good lesson. fortune of having a good dinner and not getting sick afterward all right thumbs up to that but now I'm so what I'm my point is Avram is that I'm feeling I'm feeling good about this this double one here that we're both gonna have two we're gonna have two winners okay number one you are provided with the material things you need okay my husband planted that one because that's <laughs> one we would disagree on here's the second one Here's the second one. All right, I'm not feeling that one. Ah, there is no substitute for hard work. Not original, but it's true. But it is true. By the way, we're getting some messages here on Facebook. It seems that Amy Gottlieb Shooter commented that Sarah, who is uh, my first guest, Sarah Tenenbaum, she's actually on hold right now. We should get to her. Um, <laughs> is that why she's calling to let you know that she's, she's on No, she posted on Facebook that, <laughs> let me just get that message. Let's pull that up. She commented on Facebook that Sarah is her sister-in-law. And she is incredibly brave, and she really, really is. So you know what? We're going to skip all the other craziness that we do around are you, here. Are you responding to stuff during the show? Yeah, I, I <laughs> kind I just, of breaking the just breaking that fourth wall. <laughs> I am the third rail here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Anyway, we're going to skip for now the crazy thing that happened to me this week. Though, um, if we have time, we'll get to it later in the show. But I do want to introduce my first guest. Um, who really is in- incredibly, incredibly brave. Sarah, are you there? 
I am. You've been very patient. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just, uh, you know, listening to you guys, I feel like I'm at home. Yeah. Then I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sarah Tenenboim is a wellness coach, a writer, and the author of Me Redone, which is a blog devoted to allergen-free whole foods, toxin-free beauty, and mind and body inspiration. She helps women find a balanced lifestyle focusing on health, and happiness. Her recipes have been syndicated by the Daily Buzz, Food Gawker, and other national and local publications. She lives in L.A. with her husband, Steve, and her dog, who has the best name ever, B. Arthur. She, um, her, twiddle hand, her Twitter handle is at Redone. She recently underwent a double mastectomy and reconstruction to reduce her cancer risk from 87% to 2%. She has her own Angelina Jolie story. And she wrote about it on her blog, www.meredone.com, slash, thank you, dash, you, dash, Ms. Dash Jolie. Wow, I really said that correctly. So, Sarah, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Totally a pleasure. And I, I, I want to start by saying that our that my having you on today prompted me to do something I think I've done maybe once or twice in my life, usually only as a gag, which is to buy People magazine. And... <laughs> I bought people for the reason that Angelina Jolie and her story are on the front cover. And her article uh, last week or two weeks ago, as it is, I don't know, time is fleeting, talking about um, the surgery that she underwent in, or, because she had the BRCA gene and she had a very high, um, ch- very great, great chances, I should say, of having breast cancer later in her life. Her mother had died from breast cancer in her 50s, and she wanted to protect herself and ensure, please God, her longevity of being with her family and with her kids. And she, I guess the word is semi-voluntarily, because God only gives you so many choices, she underwent a double mastectomy, and you have a similar story. I do, yeah. I actually had pretty much the same procedures done about two years ago. So my mother uh, was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer at age 37, which is not only incredibly young, but inflammatory cancer is really aggressive, and it's Pretty much never caught early. I'm 37. Um, so, I'm 37, so that just really gave me the chills. Okay, go on. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she had my brother, and then you know, six months later, she was very gravely, gravely ill. Wow. Um, you know, her doctor gave her a 10% chance of living, and you know, thank God she beat it, and she's still in remission years and years and years later. Um, and so throughout my life, I sort of knew that I had this increased risk because my mother was so young when she got sick. But it's very easy to put that in the back of your mind. Right. And um, when I was in, I would say, my mid-20s, I was, you know, doing regular surveillance, which is what someone with a high-risk family does, where I get mammograms and MRIs and sonograms mm-hmm. and, you know, go in a couple times a year. Uh, they suggested that I might be interested in getting tested for this gene. And I went in and got tested because I, honest to God, I did not think I had it. You know, I thought my mother's breast cancer was a fluke, and usually people... If you look at their family trees uh, who are affected by this mutation, you'll see cancer pretty much everywhere, either, you know, breast or ovarian. Um, And so I got tested, shocked to find out that I had it. Hmm. But I think I always knew in the back of my mind that in the event that I had the mutation, I was going to do something about it. And so after I absorbed all the information and, um, you know, waited a little bit and done the surveillance, had a few false positives, which, of course, caused a significant amount of anxiety, I decided to have the prophylactic surgery, which, you know, is a choice. And it's a beautiful thing that we live in this day and age when we have these choices. I'm sure all of our grandmothers would have loved to have these choices. Um, 
And it's something where it's, it's ambiguous and it's a very hard choice to make because the facts are not black and white. Not everyone with this mutation gets cancer. You know, not a lot of people without this mutation get cancer. Um, but it just, the risk to me of my, my lifetime risk being in the quote, you know, up to 87%, it wasn't, my peace of mind was much more important than holding on to some tissue. And, you know, I was very, very lucky to have an incredibly supportive and very loving husband who said, listen, I don't care if it's your head on a robot body. I want you around. Mm. Um, yeah, he's he's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> I would say so, that that's a good response. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm basically a bionic woman now. And um, it has changed my life in so many more positive ways than the negative. And, you know, I'm so happy to sort of pay it forward and share my story in case there's other women going through the same thing to know that you're not alone and that there is life after BRCA, and sometimes it can be surprisingly good. You know, it's funny. I mean, not haha funny, but I, I do want to. <laughs> I, I do want to talk to you about finding humor in life, which is something that I know that is a is a characteristic and a strength that you have. But the second half of the show of our show today, we'll be talking to Rabbi um, Ovadia Goldman, who ha- is the co-director of the Oklahoma of the Southern Oklahoma Chabad, where they are really spearheading the Jewish response to the tragedies in Oklahoma as a result of the tornado. And I, I, yeah. I wonder if there's some kind of connection, but in, um, in more than in just my mind, between your story, looking, you know, being able to serve as a source of strength to other people in their time of tragedy or of sorrow, the same way we as a community outstretch, you know, stretch our hands out and do what we can to communities that have been devastated by national trage- natural tragedies or natural disasters. So when you turn, when you act as a source of strength to other people, are, are they as receptive as you hope? Are they still um, within their own, you know, in the moment, so to speak, where they can't say, okay, that happened to you and you came out okay and you're a great story, but how do I know that's going to be me? Right, and I think, uh, first of all, I, I don't, proselytize my story to everyone. You know, it's on my blog, and so most of the the women who find me are through Google, and the majority of the response is, thank you. Thank you. I just found out I had the gene, and the first, like, couple of weeks after you find out that you have this mutation, you're completely numb, and it's a a pretty dark time for a lot of people, and myself included, and so to read, I think, a story of someone who came out of it the other side and I think it's really beautiful what Angelina Jolie's done as, you know, arguably the most beautiful woman in the world, right. um, who's basically come out and said, I'm still Angelina Jolie, and my breasts are not more important than my life. They're not more important than my children. And this is something, you know, life gives you knocks. And, you know, this is something that, thank goodness, I have the ability to control. And you can't, you know, and I, I, I think she really serves as a role model. And I think that women who contact me, at least with the positive responses, because I think when anytime you make an ambiguous decision, you get both positive and negative responses, I think it's helpful for them to see people two years ahead of them and Mm. to see that everything is good and everything worked out. I think people need that. You know, hope is the best thing that we can give other people in a lot of respects. Hope is the best thing you can give other people. That is is absolutely true. I, I couldn't have said it better myself, though, Thank God I have never been in your situation, and I'm not exactly sure that I would have the strength to be able to turn around afterwards. Please, God, my story should be as successful as yours, and then be able to serve as a source of strength to other people. It really, I mean, just tell me when you started your blog, because I always wonder if, um, if, 
if a person as a writer, and I can say that as a writer myself, if, if that writing really serves as part of your strength, as it, does it empower you the same way it empowers me or other people when they, when, to really focus your emotions and help others? Absolutely. And I think it's, the blog has been cathartic for me. I started it, I want to say, I've had three surgeries. Um, I started it just after my second one. Um, and it's completely wonderful to feel like, you know, maybe there's something selfish in there that I feel like I've put something good out into the world. Right. Um, whether people see it as good or not is up to them, but I feel like I've done a good thing. And that, to me, is very healing um, on top of, you know, feeling good about doing that. There's um, th- There were a bunch of responses, as I'm sure you know, that the Twitter response to Angelina Jolie's story and her, and her op-ed in The Times from different celebrities was uh, just there was a massive, massive, massive response, as you can imagine that there would be. And one that I really liked, one response that I really liked, which I I guess brings me to my next question, was from Tom Arnold. Now, I I can't say I've ever expected to read something that Tom Arnold wrote or did not really write on the air, but he writes or he tweeted, Angelina Jolie is heroic today because she forced us men to think about and even talk about something very uncomfortable, our wives' health. Talk to me for a second about your husband's uh, reaction and how your husband has responded to everything from beginning to end. Yeah, he, well, I, he was actually out of town when I found out and I called him immediately. And I don't think he really understood what was going on because his first reaction was like, well, it's not 100%. And I was like, that is not what I need to hear right now. But I think as he did more and more research about what the risks really meant, he he was very much in the camp of you are more important than your body. And I didn't marry you for your body. I married you as a person and, you know, looks fade, but I, I want to be with you forever. And so he, after reading all of the various options, because like I said, it's a choice. Surgery is not for everyone. Right. Even finding out you have the gene is not for everyone, but we all have these choices. And I think it's great that we can choose what, what paths are best for us. And as he, he was the one that I think before I really decided that I was going to get the surgery, he said, you need to do this. I don't want, he said, part of it is selfish. I don't want to sit and, and watch you go through cancer. And Mm. I can't do that. I'd rather help you recover from a surgery that is pretty, unfortunately, it's very standard nowadays. Right. Um, and I mean, he was amazing. He slept in my hospital room, even though he wasn't allowed. And he slept on a love seat. I mean, just and like he was like crazy in the middle of the night, sending me. He's actually a comedian. Oh, um, really? Sending me funny emails and <laughs> yeah. So he was, and I mean, he took care of the house. I have well, my bio actually needs to be updated. We have two dogs now, but at the time we only had one dog. I, our second dog is Mitch Hedberg. We adopted him about a month ago. Um, he. <laughs> Well, that was the deal. We could get dogs and we could name them after comedic greats, which I thought was a great idea. I was so, about to say, that's genius. That is genius. Yeah. <laughs> it's just very funny. Like, DRs are, don't pee on that. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, but, yeah, I, I hear that. That's a good line, yeah. by the way. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, not that she pees on things. But no, heaven forbid. He was, he or was the dog. Yeah. Uh, really incredibly supportive. And then after the surgery, because it's not, you know, I talk about it in retrospect. And in hindsight, it's easy to um, minimize how painful and how long the recovery was. But it was a very serious surgery. And I had to do physical therapy to get the use of my arms back. Wow. I was 
out of work for three weeks. And then after that, I wasn't allowed to lift anything more than five pounds for six weeks. And that's just the first surgery. There's, you know, at least one more after that. And he ran the house so well. And I, 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 it was very fortunate for me to have married him. And it was very nice to see just three months into my marriage how committed he was. To Wait a minute. I didn't even know that. Three months yeah. in? Mm-hmm. Three months in, I found out I had the mutation. A month later, I had the surgery. Holy cow. You know, there, I should let people know. By the way, we, we are speaking to Sarah Tenenboim. She is a wellness coach, a writer, a comedian, author of Me Redone, and she is the survivor of a double mastectomy and reconstruction surgery, who, which she underwent to reduce her cancer risk from 87% to 2%, finding out that she did have the BRCA gene. People should know that you and your husband have a fun uh, dating story. You are a J-date couple, am I right? We're a J-date po- and stay tuned. We actually shot uh, a commercial for them. A you did not. Ago. Yeah, we did. We're going to be one of those weird couples on are, television. Are you yeah. going to be on the Jumbotron in Times Square? <laughs> We've oh, been there, done that, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And you were also featured in the New York Times style section, correct? Correct, correct. <laughs> yeah, well, I think my husband is six foot four and has bright red hair, so I think any... Uh, I didn't realize you married Conan. Very, very excited to see someone that doesn't necessarily look like the stereotype. Right. So. You So you married Conan O'Brien and... Pretty you, much, yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> and now you are a J-date couple and you're featured in Times Square. Uh, yeah, well, we were when we first met. I think, had, it, would be, um, I think yeah. it would be very interesting, by the way, for the Times... Should they ever, you know, should somebody give them the heads up that what, that three months into your marriage, into this great modern storybook fairy tale kind of courtship and everything else, that what, you found out that this was real life. And I think yeah. I think that that's something that people, um, especially during your first year of marriage, I mean, it, there there's the expression in Judaism, uh, for those listeners who don't know it, of Shana Rishona, the first year of marriage. And we say it sometimes with like, dripping with sarcasm and disdain or whatever else. It's a challenging time that first year. As as uh, somebody once said to me, you're going to get angry when he doesn't take the toothpaste out correctly. And oh, it's, it's just, so exactly. So forget <laughs> that. Forget the toothpaste. All of a sudden, he's you're you're undergoing really, really serious situations. Yeah, and but I'm I'm the lucky one I feel because I was sitting and and I had my surgeries done at Sloan Kettering, which I can't recommend enough. They're really a well well um, a really great organization, great hospital, great doctors. Um, and I was sitting there waiting for my preventative surgeries next to women who were clearly suffering from oh. ovarian cancer. And so that to me, there's a certain amount of guilt associated with that. Mm. But you know, that, you know, do I deserve to be here? I don't have cancer. Am I taking someone else's spot? Right. Um, oh. But at the same time, you look at my mom, and um, I think it came out recently that not only Angelina Jolie's mom died of ovarian cancer in her 50s, but her grandmother and her great-grandmother both died of ovarian wow. cancer. Um, so it's just, you just look at the, looking at the risks, I knew intellectually that it was, the right thing for me to do, but in the scheme of things, I'm I'm lucky. You know, it, I'm not someone who didn't have a choice in this. I had a choice. Um, and another reason I was so happy to come on air is that, unfortunately, this mutation, while it's pretty rare in the general population, it affects the Ashkenazi Jewish population uh, pretty frequently. The, right. the numbers that I've heard are one in forty. 
Right. And regular population, it's like one in 500. Yeah, we have uh, we have Rochelle Shoritz on from um, Charcheret a number of times. Oh, from yep. Yeah, and they're they're wonderful. And the statistics, every even though we've had her on a number of times, the statistics still blow my mind. This is mm-hmm. this is a real this is a real Ashkenazi this is a real issue. I mean, this is an yeah. Ashkenazi woman prevalency, and this is a real issue. This is not something. This is not a fluke. <laughs> this is not a fluke. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure even like where to go, but I, I and how to ask you this. But were you able to find humor in your story? Yeah, of course. Um, I don't know about the yeah. of course. I think that's a talent, and I think that's a strength. There are plenty. Well, of I people- also married someone who makes a living being funny. Right. Um, but, <laughs> okay, that's fair. You know, we joke all the time that you know my boobs are never going to age. You know, I found the fountain of youth or that I'm the bionic woman right. or that, you know, just little things here and there. There are silver linings in every situation. And even in the hospital, there were moments of just utter ridiculousness that had to do with my roommate or like the nurse who was abrasive. Or I mean, you just, you got to find the laughter in these situations. Otherwise, oh God, it would be awful. <laughs> what wasn't funny besides the diagnosis? I'm sure hearing that news, and you also write in your blog um, response, thank you, Miss Jolie, that you had recently visited an acupuncturist who seemed very critical and very judgmental about having of your having had the surgery and making making this decision. So, were there times that there wasn't something that? And I want to talk about that acupuncturist in a second. But yeah, were there times that there wasn't anything funny? Sure. There are moments of darkness, there's moments of vanity, um, but they, you get through them, and I think that's all part of the healing process, because I think in a lot of ways, I wasn't necessarily mourning the loss of my breast tissue, but I was mourning the loss of the life that I had before I knew, you know? Mm. I unplugged from the matrix, and I opened Pandora's box, and you can't go back after doing that. And so, living a life where you don't know, I mean, ignorance there's a reason why they say ignorance is bliss in a lot of ways it was. Um, My life is not easier now, but it's better now than it was. Um, But I was mourning how easy my life was, relatively speaking, before um, finding out that I was a carrier of the mutation. And, yeah, I mean, there was the day after when I came out of my first surgery, I was in so much pain. Um, I started hysterically crying, wondering if I had done the right thing. I think... Anytime you make any sort of decision where the facts are not straightforward, you're going to question it. Um, and it's really about making the decision where your gut is or the decision that you would make, you know, 75 times out of 100. But that's not to say that there are moments where I'm just like, oh, could you just stop being so judgy for a minute? And I think it's made me a better person in not judging other people's decisions because you don't know. You don't know what their situation is. You don't know what their emotional journey has been. I completely support women who decide to go with surveillance. That's the right call for them. I completely support women who decide not to get tested for the gene until they're done having children because they don't want to know. And that's complete, excuse me, that's completely fine. But, um, yeah, there were certainly moments of doubt and fear and anxiety. But, you know, being on the other side of it, hindsight 2020, I am 100% on board with my decision, even if not everyone else is. Wow. Well, I guess that brings me to to one of our final points. We are, um, I mean, it's a fascinating conversation, Sarah. I, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that all of the people who are listening would be, and myself included, would be able to um, be in the same situation and 
be able to think so clearly. And I, I, I hope you give yourself credit and your support system, your husband, your family, for not only being resolute in your decision at the moment, but clearly 2020, looking back and feeling as strong about it as you did then, you do now. So I guess that brings me to the acupuncturist that you write about. Now, you're right, acupuncturist, and I can speak to Avrami, who's sitting right here, who has performed acupuncture on me on the air as, <laughs> as a stunt, that um, you, there is something to, to, um, to I guess, assuming that a wellness, that a person who is, is concerned or in the health field would be, I, I don't know, I guess more open-minded is, is the way you, the way to put it. I'm not sure. But your, your interaction with this acupuncturist who accusatorily or negatively questions your decision to go through with the, with the surgery very much took me aback. I did not think that your anecdote in the blog was going to go in that direction. Yeah, I, it was, you know, as I was writing it, I didn't think that it was going in that direction either. Um, but clearly I have some unresolved feelings about that whole situation. But she's just an example of a lot of, you know, I often, most often I get really positive feedback. Because even if people don't agree with my decision, they can say, you know, good for you, your health, your life, your choice. Right. But there are also people who just can't understand it. And that's okay if you can't understand it. It's very hard to understand such a drastic decision. But I'm just asking people to respect my choice for my life. And every so often I'll get, you know, whether it's that reaction from the acupuncturist who didn't really understand why I did what I did to, you know, mean but often misspelled emails about how I could have prevented everything um, I could have prevented breast cancer and ovarian cancer with my diet. You know, there's just a lot of people who think they know things. And the answer is we don't know. I don't even know everything. I don't know whether I would have gotten cancer, but I got the surgery for my quality of life and to live not thinking about cancer and doctor's appointments. And I, and, and I in that way, my surgery was a success. And if other people don't understand that, that's fine. But it certainly hasn't prevented people from expressing some negative opinions. Um, and it's just, you know, everyone, the way my husband's view puts it is you can go outside and say the sky is blue and someone will disagree with you, <laughs> even when the facts are black and white. That's... So even when they're gray, like in this situation, you're going to have more people who are coming out of the woodwork and expressing their opinions, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, I respect other people's choices, and I hope they respect mine. Sarah Tenenboim is a wellness coach. She's the writer and the author of Me Redone. She's a comedian. She has this blog, which is devoted to allergen-free, whole foods, toxin-free beauty, and mind and body inspiration. She joins us here at That's Life talking about her personal Angelina Jolie story. But, Sarah, let me ask you about being the uh, this wellness coach and living this allergen-free whole foods life. Is this pre or post uh, the surgeries? Oh, this is 100% post-surgery. <laughs> no question. So what did you uh, eat beforehand? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I grew up in America, in a Jewish home in America. I ate hamburgers. I ate pizza. I ate, you know, just lots and lots of processed food. Because, I mean, we didn't know any different. And um, now I, I just, I don't really eat anything processed. I eat a lot of vegetables, wild fish, organic chicken, beans, seeds, nuts, lots and lots of greens. And it's actually been incredible, the uh, response that my body has had towards feeding it, you know, good fuel. Um, you know, I've lost 15 pounds without even trying. My husband lost 20 because he's a man and that's annoying. 
Yes, that um, is annoying, by the way. And I, I'm yeah. sure he's nice, but I'm annoyed with him right now also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it started as after I got the surgery, I said, okay, well, now what? So I started eating everything in sight because I was like, well, I deserve it, you know. Um, and I put on a little bit of weight and I started looking into disease and the, the, the relationship between what we're eating and our environment and our lifestyle to not just cancer, but heart disease and diabetes. And the most amazing stuff that I've learned is that heart disease and type 2 diabetes, they're 100% preventable, even for people who have a genetic proclivity towards getting them with diet and lifestyle. Um, and I think in America, we, we tend to treat symptoms instead of finding the underlying causes. Mm. And there's a lot of stuff like, I didn't know I ate dairy my entire life. I had no idea that I am slightly intolerant to dairy. And so when I stopped eating dairy, I was far less puffy. I used to think my face was a lot rounder than it was, but I basically was a walking allergic reaction to it. No way. Um, yeah, and that, that was a sad day for me because I love to eat. But, you know, what can you do? It's, it's my health. Um, and, you know, every once in a while I'll have a little bit um, as a treat, and then I remember why I don't eat it normally. Um, so, you know, I just sort of went on this journey towards finding – um, health and, you know, and exercising and just really taking care of myself because I want to be around for a while and I want my husband to be around for a while. And if anything is going to uh, happen to me in a, in a disease kind of way, I, A, either will be able to prevent it with my lifestyle or B, my body will be in the best shape possible to fight it. Um, I just, I value my body so much more now than I did before. So what are the, um, so tell me what your cheats are. Because um, I have to say that I, I am a vegetarian. I eat a lot of fruits, vegetables. I am not anti-processed foods because I do like pizza. And um, pizza is yeah. amazing. I don't know how you do this. I got to tell you, when you said pizza, I'm like, all right, hamburgers I don't eat anyway. Once you said pizza, I'm like, that's where you lost me. Um, but I, and don't get me wrong. I appreciate what you're doing. And I do appreciate that what you're doing makes a lot more sense than what I'm doing. Uh, but tell me what your cheats are. Like what you, when you, and you've lived through it. And I would have to say probably that you do, you have earned it, whatever you want to eat, go for it. <laughs> but, um, but if you're continuing on this wellness path, wellness path, well, say that 10 times fast. And um, you're all of a sudden having a weak moment. You're still, I understand, you're turning to cheese. But that's not a true cheat, Sarah. I mean, even a Weight well, Watchers, that's is not a true me. cheat. I have a salt tooth, not a sweet tooth. Okay. So for me, it's like olives and smoked fish and cheese. Those are my, those are my go-tos. Um, but I, the way that I eat, I eat, you know, 80 to 90% well. Um, and, you know, 10 to 20 percent, I, I have that built in because I feel like if you go extremism in any form is not productive and it's not right. good. And if I just cut everything out, I'd probably go binge on something. But I, you know, 80 to 90 percent of the time I eat really well. And so two to three meals a week, I eat whatever I want. And so for me, the cheat would be pizza, 100 percent. So you, and then you, I feel you heard me when after I, eating it because my body has like a bad reaction to it. You, but it's you, you heard when I said that I wanted a large vanilla shake, though, in my intro then, didn't you? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's very good. In retrospect, that wasn't such a good idea. <laughs> well, you know, everyone, is, what's also very interesting and what I've learned in working with women and in my research is that everyone's body is different. And so the things that my body can process and not process, 
um, is completely different from someone else. You know, not everyone has a peanut allergy. Not everyone's right. lactose intolerant. And so it was a journey for me trying to find, like, what foods made me feel really good after I, eat, after I ate them versus only felt good as I was eating them, if that makes sense. No, it's um, not, it's So there are some people who can completely eat dairy, and it's good for them. Um, uh, if you are going to eat animal products, my recommendation is to do them, uh, is to eat them from where they when they come from an animal that was treated humanely and, and kindly because, right. The, the, right. you know, not only there's an animal, you know, rights issue in there, you know, wh- whether or not everyone cares about that, but actually the product is that much better when the animal is fed well and cared for in a, in a, in a really kind way. No, I agree with you on that. Well, Sarah Tenenbein, Ter- Teren- Tenenbein, I don't know why I just had trouble with that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. You can check out her blog at meredone.com. That's M-E-R-E-D-O-N-E, which I think is an ingenious name, by the way, uh, okay. dot, dot com. It is a blog devoted, devoted to allergen-free, whole foods, toxin-free beauty, mind and body inspiration, and I would just get to say also a full life. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you'll join me again. All right. Thanks, Mary. I appreciate it. Continued good health. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nahum Siegel Network. I'm Miriam L. Wallach. Thank you for joining me today. And we have our next call. We have one call from California, and we have one call from Oklahoma. Rabbi Avadia Goldman, the co-director of the Southern Oklahoma Chabad, joins us on the ground right now in Oklahoma. Rabbi Goldman, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you so much for joining me. I imagine you have 400 other things to do, but I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Our listeners appreciate it. Nahum appreciates it. So thank you for finding the time. Um, You're very well. Um, I, I cannot imagine what you are going through, what you are seeing, because I'm looking at pictures, and they don't look like real life to me. Well, yesterday I, I was the first time that they, they allowed us into the closed-off areas, and I've seen pictures. I've seen some of the outer areas that have been very badly hit. But in the, in, the, in the main areas, it's, it's unbelievable. There's no picture or video that can describe what the feeling and the sense and what, what you see on the ground there. People have been discussing the other um, tornadoes that hit more Oklahoma in the last number of years, including the one, I think it's May 3rd, 1999, if I got the date correct. Have you been in Oklahoma that long to have experienced those other tornadoes that people talk about as, as first, legendary? My first tornado was the 19, the, the May 3rd, 1999 tornado. I was uh, here in Oklahoma City for less than a year. Oh. Uh, we had tornado warnings, which I, to be honest, I literally ignored because I had no idea what a tornado can do. And when I saw the damage, when we went to bring release to the victims of that uh, tornado and I saw the damage on the ground, <laughs> from then on, I paid attention to every tornado mm-hmm. siren in the city. Uh, I can imagine. I, I, I mean, I can't imagine, but I can imagine that, that change of lifestyle. Where were you coming from? That uh, you're not a Midwesterner or you're not an Oklahoman. That oh, that uh, tornadoes were something foreign. The Big Apple. Oh, so you know what's interesting is that somebody there was a New York Times piece that came out today where somebody from more Oklahoma said New York has hurricanes, California has earthquakes, we have tornadoes, and it's still home. And I, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but that's really the essence of of her comment that no matter what the what the tragedy is or or the disaster or whatever strikes your neighborhood, it's still home and you don't want to move away. And I'm sure that there are many residents or maybe maybe plenty of people here are saying, why would people live there in the first place? You still consider it home. I, at this point, 100%, this is a uh, special uh, mission that the, was inspired by the Lubavitcher Rebbe to serve the small Jewish community here. And uh, 
and grown to love it. And I can tell you that I've been speaking to a lot of people from all over the city, and they've heard some of these comments, and some of the residents even said these comments, but most Oklahomans are they're so in love with this place that they're, they're going to continue to take precautions. They're going to continue finding ways of how to be even safer, but they, they love this place. Have there, tell, tell me about how the Jewish community was hit and how it has responded. Okay, thank God, uh, as far as the Jewish community, that neighborhood, the Moore neighborhood, is not a particularly uh, the Jew- Jewish neighborhood. Right. There's only uh, maybe 20 to 25 families, uh, known families. We met some families that we didn't know were Jewish mm-hmm. that lived there. And uh, so thank God, most of them were not even uh, uh, hurt, hurt in any way. They were not affected in any way. There's a couple of families that lost property, but nobody was injured or got so we didn't lose anybody. Thank God. And therefore, we made a decision that the Jewish community, this is the time for us to let the, our neighbors and our fellow citizens here to know that we're going to be there to help them in their time of need, especially given, for those who don't know, Oklahoma as a whole, and Oklahoma City in particular, has a tremendous community here of people that have a tremendous respect and tremendous love to the Jewish people in a very, very clean way, without any strings attached. They have a tremendous, tremendous support of uh, Eretz Yisrael, the mm. Holy Land of Israel, both financially, the, on a governmental level. Just uh, a couple of months ago, the, the Oklahoma legislators voted to, for the third time to invest over $10 million in Israeli bonds, wow. which is totally out of proportion wow. to anything else that Oklahoma does. So we, we just felt that this is a time for Jewish communities all over the, all over the country to let the people of Oklahoma know that when they're in need, the Jewish community will do its part to respond. And it's because this is the reason why it's Chabad, you know, we'll always respond to any humanitarian aid. This is something the Rebbe inspired us to reach out and to, when, we, when you see a need, the question is not why it happened, the question is what we can do right. to help out. But there was an extra measure. We really, really threw ourselves into this because we wanted the Oklahoma to know that the Jewish community is there. And I must say that so far, there's been response from all over the United States, from Jewish communities all over the United States, uh, letting them know that, you know, we're, we're there for their time of need. There's still a lot of needs to be met, and I really would like to encourage, take a moment in this interview to encourage people to go to www.jewishokcrelief.com. That's www.jewishokcrelief.com, and to see some of the things that we're doing, and to those who can, to please reach out and uh, let, let us, uh, uh, if they can help us, uh, help in this situation. How big is your community, uh, your Chabad the, community there? The Jewish community here in, uh, in Oklahoma City in itself has about uh, 3,000 known Jewish people, we estimate, and we bump into all the time Jewish servicemen, Jewish governmental mm-hmm. officials that live right. here. Uh, I would say there's about 5,000 Jews in the, in, in the southern Oklahoma area, mainly around Oklahoma City and its suburbs and another uh, 5,000 probably in the rest of the state, in the northern part of the state, which is covered by the Chabad headquarters of uh, Oklahoma by Rabbi Weg over there. Rabbi Ovadia Goldman, the co-director at, of the Southern Oklahoma Chabad, joins us on the phone right now from Oklahoma. He has seen the devastation, and he can't believe it himself. Um, Rabbi, Rabbi Goldman, tell me about the the resolve of the people of Oklahoma to rebuild and and to stay and to move forward. This is not, again, this is not their first disaster. This is not right. the so, first time. Which, again, was very interesting to me. Again, on my, on my, especially yesterday when I got to tour some of the most hardest-hit areas 
uh, and speaking with uh, some of the homeowners that had already come back to start to find, you know, even small pieces, mementos, pictures, uh, small items that they can, you know, restart rebuilding their lives with and, and listening to them. By, by not, not one of them did I hear the idea that, oh, we're going to move out of the neighborhood or we're going to move somewhere else or, you know, these are, these are very earth people. These are very real people. These are people that, you know, they pull themselves up uh, by their boots, by, the, by their bootstraps. And they know how to, they know how to do it on their own. They like doing things on their own. They're very self-sufficient. They take pride in being self-sufficient. This is a very, very strong, strong city as far as the people here. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's almost inspiring to see. And I think as, as Jews, we have a lot to learn about resolve and commitment and being able to, to, to you know, to stay in power. And we have a lot to give to them in regard to that as well www.jewishokcrelief.com is the website you can go to to help the Oklahoma relief efforts going on by Chabad um, to help out the families who were devastated in more Oklahoma. Tell me what some of those projects entail or involve. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to you a little. Bit. Uh, first of all, immediately we let people know that we have a very comfortable shelter if they needed it. Great. Uh, although although at the end of the day it was not needed, we were we were the the facilities we had were a little bit too far out in the beginning. People wanted to remain closer to their to, the, to where their loved ones were, to where their uh, what's now not their homes anymore, but where their homes were. Uh, so that was the first effort. We also immediately reached out to all the known Jewish uh, people that lived there to try to find them, to try to reach them, to uh, connect loved ones uh, that were calling from out of state, trying to reach uh, their loved ones. Thank God it took about 24 hours, but we were able to locate almost every single uh, Jewish family or Jewish individual that lived there. Uh, immediately what was needed was some uplift and counsel. We have three uh, rabbinic interns, rabbinic uh, mm-hmm. Uh, helpers that are here in the community, we send them out. They went all over uplifting, counseling, listening, being a shoulder to cry on. Uh, in, the, in the beginning, they were still needing some basic supplies. That was just literally only in the first 24 hours. Uh, we, we made a, a local uh, drop-off center at the Chabad Center, and then from there um, made many, many trips into, into the de- devastated areas to be able to deliver that. Eventually, uh, the relief uh, agencies and the relief officials were saying, please don't bring uh, central needs. Uh, let's get cash to the people. Let's get them, maybe even more importantly, gift cards to the main stores like Walmart, Target, Sam's Club. Uh, they know what they need right now. Right. You know, it's, create, it's creating a, a backlog. It's creating a jam. We need volunteers now to start dealing with all these products that are coming in. So we shifted our focus to be able to raise money. We went out and, for instance, yesterday we gave out $4,000 worth of gift cards directly to families and individuals that were affected by this uh, in, in different types of denominations, depending uh, on what the needs of the family was. Uh, there's a sh- shipment of blankets and pillows, a huge issue. There's a company out of uh, uh, Florida that agreed, and over the next few days they're going to be start shipping in uh, quilts and, and brand-new quilts and blankets that we're going to get to people that we know need them. Wow. And I must mention today, you, 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 I'm, I'm finding myself now at a food bank, right. a, local, With- a local organization, because the Nash, uh, AgriStar, meat and poultry, you know, they're out of Iowa and New York City. Mm-hmm. They reached out to us almost within hours of this disaster saying, we want we want to make sure there's food for people. There, uh, There's a shipment of 20,000 pounds of meat and poultry that's on the way now. And without, without any strings attached, this is for all victims, no race, no background, no religion, no difference. Uh, they, they were amazing in putting this together, and they had the help of the National Young Israel. Right. And uh, there must be an organization yep. in, in 
uh, make sure that the funds for the shipment were available. Alex Alex is an unbelievable person. Alexander Rappaport, who runs um, Maspia, is just an unbelievable individual. And I know that yesterday and the day before they were really rallying. I mean, no one, and I mean this seriously, no one I know uses social networking uh, like Alexander Rappaport. And the way he mobilized within this very short amount of time to be able to facilitate the shipment of this food uh, is just mind-boggling. Yes, yes. And, again, I, I heard the National Indian Israel was involved. And I do want to say that the product itself, you know, 20,000 pounds of product, they also even arranged from a non-kosher company to send cheese cheese items along on that same truck. Right. Uh, the AgriStar, literally, they reached out from the first moment to be able to help. And there are other companies that are also, and right now, again, right now they're asking, you know, not, you know, they're not really looking for items right now. They really want to get people, you know, directly. In, like this is no shipping cost. There's no volunteer uh, mess over there. So they, they would like to get cash and gift cards to people. Uh, anybody, you know, we, we felt that, you know, we shouldn't give cash to people because that could be a little bit of a concern. But gift cards is a very, very good way to help these families directly and immediately. So if people want to send gift cards to you for you to distribute, uh, instead of we, just instead of going to the website, how do they do that? So if they, from any, any Walmart gift card, any Target gift card, any Sam's Club gift card, these are all superstores. Right. That have open facilities very close to the to the area, which families and shut and there are volunteer shuttles that are bringing people there can get to. And we will we, if they just mail it to us at 3000 West Hefner Road. If they go on the website, they could see the address. But if, if they mail it to 3000 West Hefner Road in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73120 is the zip 73120. We will uh, as soon as as soon as we get it, we will make sure that it gets directly to to those who are who are suffering right now from this disaster. You know, it's 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 amazing to me uh, and I'm not I'm not equating I'm not equating the situations though um, for those of us who lived through Sandy it really is very reminiscent when people are talking about gift cards and and the fact that the people who were devastated know what they need. And yep. and just also there's that empowerment of giving somebody a gift card and saying go take care of your needs instead of and both are great. I'm not. I'm not denying that whoever is sending these blankets and whatever else is is outrageous. And call out kavod to them. But picking yourself up and doing something and being proactive of about replacing the things that you lost and going to a Sam's Club and buying your kids a new pair of shoes because they just don't have any shoes anymore is just part of the healing process. Am I right? A hundred percent. I mean, again, we're very. Oklahoma City has sprung in and organized unbelievably by the third day. Things are, they're not, there's still chaos, but there is quite a bit of organization going on within that chaos. But it's so clear the difference between when you, when you hand somebody something, an item, and they have to wear something that, you know, that's not really there that was handed to them, or that one time, you know, having to take that card, but then they, they go out there, to, even just to act that they can go to the store and go get something. And choose something right now is an, is an amazing. I mean, the, the thank yous, the hugs, mm. the expressions of, 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 of gratitude that you hear from people, and these are people that you know they're they're not needy. generally they're not, they're not used to being needy people. Right. These are middle middle to upper class. Some of them, some of them real middle class working class people, right. and you know want to work for a living. They want to supply. You know, they want to they want to provide for their families, and they're just finding themselves right now. In a, like as you guys know, you know, coming from Sandy, you know, you, you know the feeling of that. There was somebody on the news the other day, um, Rabbi Ovadia Goldman, co-director of the Southern Oklahoma Chabad, joins us on the air here at That's Life. There was somebody on the radio the other day, Rabbi Goldman, who said that he 
uh, lives in Moore, Oklahoma, and he has nothing left. And he, he and his wife had literally just finished paying off their mortgage. And it uh, maybe I think he said it was last month. Like last month was their last payment. And um, and it's gone. And it's completely and utterly gone. And he said, but we're all alive. He said, I'm not a family that lost anything, and I'm not a family who's who wakes up in the morning and one of their children isn't there anymore. He goes, we're all alive. He said, I have nothing. Right. To, he said, I have nothing to complain about. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. very grateful. They're very godly, very faithful, right. very grateful people. I, I, perhaps to mention one more thing, is, sure. is, 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 all, all of this is just amazing. You know, the way the way people reach out. People have asked me. I've had colleagues even that asked me, Rabbi, why are you being involved with this? You know, the, at the end of the day, the Jewish community was not affected that much by it. And really, it, it's two points. These are all children of Hashem. These are all you know, you know, we're all human beings. And right. you know, when you see somebody in need, when you when when, when we when we noticed there was a school that was that took a direct hit, children died there. There's not a time that we're going to start thinking about you know what what you know what their background is. Right, who's a tribe member and who's not. Right. Yeah, but especially I I, I really want to emphasize it. it's so important. I feel that here's a community that literally is by large tremendously tremendously supportive of Eretz Yisrael, tremendously supportive of, of of institutions in Israel, even from institutions in Israel. You know they're not. Very unbelievably, and the government is, 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 is very supportive of this, very friendly to Jewish people, very supportive of the Jewish people. I just feel that here's a time that the Kiddush Hashem is magnified many, many times, letting them know that we, you know, we're not we're not just on the on the giving on the receiving end. We're we're going to be there on the giving end. Couldn't have said it better myself, Rabbi Ovadia Goldman, co-director of the Southern Oklahoma Chabad. Thank you again for joining me. Anybody who wants to give, you can give to www. JewishOKCRelief.com. If you'd like to mail gift cards uh, to Sam's Club, to Walmart, Target, anything, um, any of those major generic brands, uh, I should say national brands or or chains, you can uh, send it directly to the Chabad, 3000 West Hefner, H-E-F as in Frank, N-E-R Road, Oklahoma City, 73120. We wish you guys continued Hatzlacha and and. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. And we thank all of you. We've heard a lot from New York City. We've heard a lot from the, your radio audience. And we thank you for your support and for your help at this time of our need. Pleasure. Much Hatzlacha. Take care. You've been listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And as I predicted, the moody weather has brought thunder. If you heard that a second ago, that was the loudest clap of thunder I have heard. In a while, it was a little ominous, honestly, after that interview with Rabbi Goldman. Let's go through the line... And there it is again. Let's go through the lineup. Wow. For the rest of the day, so you know what to expect and what not to miss. We, all right, Roman, you can admit that's a little freaky. We have something, we have a full afternoon program, something to talk about follows us here at That's Life, followed by Teen Spirit, followed by Jewish Reaction, followed by Spin Class in its new slot. Then it's the Thursday night extravaganza with Nahum, followed by 8 p.m., the stunt show hosted by Gorf, and then Book of Life with Charlie Harari, Teen Spirit again, Charlie Burnhout wrapping up the lineup. I mean, seriously, what else are you doing today? You are staying tuned all day to our programming. Join Nahum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 a.m. as he hosts JM in the AM live here on the stream, NahumSiegel.com, JM in the AM.org, 91.1, and our app. Make sure to download the new app if you have not done so already. Table for two will follow JM in the AM tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., Naomi with a Memphis with a, a barbecue update for the Long Island barbecue competition and Jay Bookspam comes back. Oh, it is pouring. Jay Bookspam comes back on the air and Jay never comes empty handed, if you know what I mean. Don't miss Saturday Night Seagull hosted by our one and only of Rummy Finkelstein live here at 10 p.m. on the stream. 
check on our whole programming schedule on our website, NahumSiegel.com. This show will be rebroadcast on Sunday at 1 p.m. on NahumSiegel.com. Make sure also to tune in for Mata 7 to 9 on Sunday morning for JM Sunday. Finally, my thanks to Duke, Yael Lassen, and of course, to Avrami. We're going to close today with Arya Kunstler's Gam. It is a choice going out to everyone in more Oklahoma. Gam ki elech begeit salmavet lo irara ki ata imadi. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys.